welcome back to episode three of the BTS Creative Academy podcast. With your host, Martin Colton. Today we are going to be having a conversation with Emma Kent. Emma is a singer, actress, dancer, and uh, cake maker. So in this conversation, I'm going to be asking Emma some deep uh, questions to try and find out if what it is she does and why she does it. Uh, Emma is someone that I've known uh, for about a year now, so she's a new friend, uh, but she's someone that I'm very close to and um, I'm very interested to find out a little bit more about. Okay. We'll do a clap at the beginning. One clap, one, two, three. Okay, here we go, so we'll start. Shall we start? Let's go for it. Well, thank you, Emma, for, for joining me this morning. My pleasure. Uh, really nice to see you. Uh, I feel like I haven't seen you in a while. Yeah, it's been a little while, yeah. What have you been up to? Oh, living the dream, living life. I've got some fun stuff going on, actually, right now. I haven't told you. Okay, that's good. So, <laughs> this is the time to tell. There's a few things, a few things. You know I've got a bakery. Right, okay. Right, so I've got my street trading license now, and I've got a card reader, so I can sell to more people very okay. exciting that's nice. a more boring one but on topic of today's discussion i've just been cast in a short film no way i've never been i've never acted on camera before so it's going to be a learning experience for sure okay but i'm very excited for it i can't tell you, i can't say so much about it right now because i'm not allowed to okay but um, NDA? not necessarily but just like i don't want to give away all the secrets you oh, know? okay so it's, it's not going to be out for a long time i don't think but very exciting. Nice. So you've got lots you... of things lined up. All Good. sorts. I mean, I'd like to find something on the stage, but no one's auditioning right now. Okay. So we'll just wait and see what happens. How about yourself? Yeah. Well, I think the podcasts are taking off at the moment. Surprisingly, mm. um, no one's listening yet, which is fine. <laughs> but everyone wants to sit in the seat and have a conversation with me, which is lovely. Good. So um, it doesn't really matter if no one's listening. No. No, the idea is have, have the, the conversation. Enjoy the process. Enjoy the process. Get the ideas out there. Yeah, enjoy the process. Enjoy the journey. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, it's already opening some doors and leading me down a new path. So That's great. We'll continue to, to do that. But, um, okay, let's start with the uh, the bakery then. Right. Okay, so the bakery. How, how long have you been baking for? So, baking in general, I've been baking like my entire life. As soon as I could walk, as soon as I was allowed to use the kitchen. Okay. <laughs> But really, the business started, well, I mean, everyone started baking in lockdown, didn't they? Didn't they? Um, I was living the other side of the country at the time, and I was um, on furlough from my job because I couldn't, you know, I couldn't go into the workplace. I was a chef at the time. So all of that shut down. I was on furlough. I was at home. I was bored. And I thought, I want to bake. But we didn't have the space in the house or the people in the house to eat the product. And I was like, I don't want to waste it. So I thought, let's, let's, make, let's make the passion into a career. I started researching how you set up a business and everything you might need and all of that sort of stuff and came up with a name, came up with an idea, a concept, and we just started going. And at the start, it was not very successful, obviously, because everyone was baking during lockdown, weren't mm -hmm. they? Yeah. But since I've moved home, it's taken off and I'm able to enjoy what I love and make a career out of it. And that's one of the beautiful things of life is that you've, if you've got a passion for something and you really have the drive to keep putting yourself out there, putting yourself in these situations where things aren't certain, then 
if you try hard enough, then you can make that dream a reality. And that's why I call my company Living the Dream Cakes. Because I am living the dream when I'm baking. L living and I'm, the dream cakes. That's the one. Okay. And that's because I am living my dream when I'm making a product for a customer, when I'm in the kitchen doing what I do and getting that out to people, making them happy, making their special day just a little bit more special. And I even made your birthday cake last you year. Did. Oh, it was wonderful. <laughs> lime witch in the wardrobe cake with a yeah. lime on the front. Yeah, the lovely. only issue, oh my God, it was so annoying. So I left it out on the side, mm -hmm. ready to bring in the next day. And my mum thought, oh yeah, let's put this in the fridge. Never put fondant in the fridge. Okay. Because it will it, not necessarily melt, but it produces a load of water. And I'd hand painted the design on the top, so it was just like, Ugh. oh, I thought that was meant to be. <laughs> I thought that was like some really artistic design. No, I'll show done. you later. I'll show you later. There's a picture of it when it was perfect, pristine. Right, okay. But then when you saw it, it was just like a melted line. <laughs> no, yeah, but it wasn't. It was like it was coming through the mist. That's, that's, I honestly thought that's what, how it was meant to be. No. It was really cool. Well, you got away with it. It's, it's all good, and you cried. I did. I wasn't. I wasn't expecting a birthday cake from everyone. It took a lot of planning. Me and, Jack and I'm an emotional person scenes, as well. Yeah. I get emotional when when good things happen. So. Yeah. So the cakes. You're living the dream, mm -hmm. making the cakes. You're turning that into a career. Mm -hmm. The the business is building. It's yeah. it's slowly building some momentum. Momentum, and you you're starting to get some kind of regular income from it? Is it taking over from your normal job yet? Or no, is no, 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 it's job? not necessarily, it's more just like a little thing that I enjoy. And it's an excuse to bake, really. <laughs> right, okay. Because if I leave it in the house, I know that either I'm going to eat it all, or my family is, and I'm trying to encourage people to be a little bit more healthy. Um, so making it, getting it out of the house is ideal. But I do have like an actual full-time job, which is more like corporate, typical stuff. Which obviously it makes it pays the bills, but it's not what I love to do, no. and that's why I've got all of these different side things that I like to do. I've got a very busy life, so you've got, you've got this life. normal nine to five mm -hmm. office type job. Yeah, what is it you do within that? So it dep it changes. <laughs> okay. So to, my my role is project analyst, but what I do is I go from company to company. Um, and fill in a role that they need. So right now I'm a deployment manager on this big national project, which is pretty much just doing whatever the project needs in a certain department. I hear, um, I hear your pain, I can see it in your face as well. <laughs> it, it pays the bills. Yes. But yeah. what keeps you going in life is... Everything else. Everything else, and everything else is the, the cakes Bakery, and the... Bakery, being on stage. My family, my friends, everything that's outside of that nine to five. And, and I can already see the difference in your face talking about that. Yeah. Going from oh, I do this, so you know, I I compile the this bit of data, and, and then like you're like, oh my my cakes, my theatre, and yeah, and you and you change that feeling changes. Tell me about mm -hmm. that the difference in feeling you have between the two, between your nine to five and your cakes and your theatre. Yeah. Um, so. My job is a means to an end. So everyone's got to make money. Everyone has to sort of just get by. Um, but that's not what brings me any ounce of joy. Like money is something. Like they say that money doesn't buy happiness and I think that's true. Um, and although my bakery does make money, that's not the reason why I do it. It's because I love it. And theatre, I do like, community theatre, amateur theatre, there's no ambition there of making any money. It's just because 
it gives me a purpose that's beyond just that typical make money day by day, just go through the motions. It's something that you bring, a, well, with theatre especially, you bring a group of people together for a shared purpose of creating something that's magical, of creating something that's beyond what someone would see in their day-to-day -day life. And through that process, obviously being on stage, you're there, you're together for a long time. So you've got that new family, this theatre, when we were here during Christmas, it became my new home because we were here so often. And it's, if I didn't have these different things aside from my nine to five, I would feel like I had no purpose. But realizing that I have these skills that aren't corporate, that aren't down to my education, that I've just developed because I love them is, it's crazy to think about. Mm. And it's what gives me joy. And I, I'm now sitting here remembering uh, Christmas time. What is it we did at Christmas? We did, we did the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. Lion, Witch, and Wardrobe. It was and so you fun. Was... I was Mrs. Beaver. <laughs> Mrs. Beaver. And we did a we did a, a musical version, didn't we? I mean, I kind of helped to sway it that way. You did. Didn't you? <laughs> you were very much uh, a huge influence on the musical side of the show. Yeah. Um, but it really was one of my favourite moments during that whole process of the rehearsals and the show. One of the things that I'll always remember was my birthday. Mm -hmm. And in the middle of rehearsals, telling everyone what to do and trying to get everyone together, you came out with a cake and, and it was like, oh, oh, this is, this is nice. <laughs> this is, you know, this, this community of people appreciate me mm -hmm. in this moment. And how did, how did that feel for you? So that you, you know, you put that together, you made the cake. How did that feel for you? Yeah. So, Obviously I love baking regardless, but this was an opportunity to show my appreciation to you for allowing me to be in such a beautiful production with so many amazing people. Just a small gesture and seeing everyone coming together up on the balcony even singing happy birthday to you. It's like everyone is showing you how much they appreciate you and how much they appreciate the show in general. And that's what I wanted to give off was that although this isn't like no one's paying to be in this, no one's sort of, it was a community theatre yeah, show, wasn't it? Yeah. It really was that one of the shows that I've put together, the, the biggest community mm -hmm. of people. Yeah. And I don't mean the biggest number of people involved with it. I mean the biggest community. Absolutely. That everyone, everyone bonded, didn't they, mm -hmm. during that production? Yeah. Um, we, became a, we became a family over that Christmas, mm -hmm. didn't we? Yeah, and before I auditioned, I think I knew one person who ended up being in the cast and now I can name it it took a while to learn everyone's names I'll be honest I'm not very good at that but now I can name every person and I could text someone I was texting um Danny you know the back end of Aslan I was texting him last <laughs> right. night no way. Yeah. the back end of Aslan <laughs> I mean it's the pivotal role in the show oh, it was yeah. was it the back end or the front end well, they switched oh, they switched, they switched. Okay. essentially well, for those that to, to paint the picture a bit more it was it it was a <laughs> I, I was going to say it was a little bit like a panto cow, <laughs> right, <laughs> but, it, yeah, but it wasn't yeah. that, was it? In terms of structure. In terms of structure, it was I guess, like a panto yeah. cow. There was someone inside yeah. being the back and the back legs, and then there was quality. someone outside manoeuvring the front yeah. of, the, of, the, of the... It was a giant puppet, essentially, mm. wasn't it? Rather yeah. than a costume. <laughs> yeah, majority of the characters, except for the children in the show, were puppets. Yeah. So that was really cool. Yeah. But yeah, what I was getting onto was that normally when someone does a massive job, they'd expect a payment mm -hmm. of some sort, whether it's financial, whether it's like a trade, like a service. But you 
didn't really expect that. This was all due to passion. And I don't know, I, there's not an awful lot I can offer except for what I know I'm good at, which is baking and doing my best in the show. So I was like, I'll give you something that I know I'm good at. Something that a I bit, hope, but, and it's something that everyone can share in because everyone loves a little bit of cake, don't they? But sometimes that is more important than the financial reward. Mm -hmm. Like you were saying about the other things, you, you, you have to have money because mm -hmm. we have to pay the bills, we, we all want a house, we all want to eat, <laughs> we yeah. want to go on holiday, etc. But that payment that you get from bringing a group of people together mm -hmm. and creating something is far more rewarding, isn't it? Yeah, for sure. And enriching to your life. Um, and yeah, that Christmas was, was very special mm -hmm. for that show in a period of time that I will never, surely never forget. Mm -hmm. And I don't think anyone else in that community will as well. And like you say, we're all we're all still friends, yeah. and can you know we're not doing that. That show was eight months ago now, but we're all we're all still connected, aren't yeah. we? Which is beautiful. And I want to go get my puppet down. I miss her. Yeah, we could do. We could show off your puppet. Her. Lion Witch and the Wardrobe is where we where we met. Yeah. Uh, since then, um, I saw you in another production of. I did Little Shop of Horrors relatively recently where I played one of the Skid Row girls. It was really good fun, it was just a lot. I was doing three shows at once, so it was intense, it was a lot. You were doing three shows at that same time, and so the other two shows were? That's a great question. <laughs> <laughs> Can't remember one of them, my mind's completely blank. You did, oh, you was doing a, uh, you was part of a choir, or it was a, you were singing, weren't you? Yes, yes, so um, I'm part of a band, so we were doing, well, our band is kind of, we're, we're starting to disband, let's mm. say, because our band leader's not very well, unfortunately. Um, so he's not able to do the bits that he was able to do, like the writing of the music and all of that. Um, so that was just like our big magical last show to all of the people that we know and love. Um, and then also, what was it? Jack and the Beanstalk. Jack and Obviously the Beanstalk. Jack and the Beanstalk, yeah. where I played Fairy Bean. Mm -hmm. But it was really great fun. There was one rehearsal when me and Lena couldn't stop laughing. I was so embarrassed. Oh my god. I can't remember what she was doing, but something she did set me off. We were being very unprofessional, but you took it in your stride. It's fine. So Jack and the Beans was a, a little bit of a different setup than... Yeah. Like, that was a professional mm -hmm. production. My first yeah. ever professional gig. Your professional gig as, a, as an actor. <laughs> and uh, what part you played? Fairy... Fairy Bean. Fairy Bean. Uh, kind of like an audience friend, audience, yeah. lots of audience interaction. Um, and with that with that show, it, like I said, it was very different. We'd just come from doing a show with a massive cast and crew to being a very intimate cast and crew. Mm -hmm. There's three so of you. Three on the stage and two puppeteers. So we all got to know each other very well. It was all really good fun. A whole panto with yeah. with three actors <laughs> and two puppeteers. Yeah. You did a whole a whole show. It was crazy, and and the audience really loved it. So it shows that it's not always the quantity of people you've got on stage. It's the energy that you give off and the passion that you're able to exude to your audience. And obviously, I've never done a I've never done a panto before that time. So that opportunity to just be a bit wacky, be a bit out there, was so fun. Tell me more about that that energy and that that passion that you give off to entertain the audience so being on the stage it's my life it's something that I've done for 
so many years now, for as long as I can remember. And obviously when you're younger, you get that stage fright and you're still learning the things. But now I'm in a position where I'm confident in myself on stage. I know that I can give off a character. And in doing that, I have so much fun just playing about and being someone that you're not. I mean, have you ever played yourself on stage? I don't think so. You play a character and it's developing that character in the rehearsal process and um, sort of exploring what their wants and needs are. That goes into becoming the character. And then once you step out on stage, you just want to show everybody the work that you've done and entertain the audience because they are they want to see the show they've paid to come see the show so give them the best show that they can bring that energy and you know i've got a very active lifestyle so i've got energy in bag pools I've got, <laughs> so i we had quite a long run wasn't it we did quite a few shows and i never got tired well i probably got tired but i never got so tired that it would show on stage um so it's really I think that if you have the passion, then the audience are going to see that. If you love what you're doing, the audience are going to love you. So that's my philosophy. If you want to be on stage, love what you do. Otherwise, the audience are going to see that you don't love what you do. Right. So, so that's what's happened in like recent history. So where did you, so that, and, that, and you found that philosophy. Where did this all begin? Like you said, like really young, you were mm. you were baking in the kitchen. But how did you go from baking in the kitchen <laughs> to this creative life that you've got now? Where, how, yeah. What was that first thing that kind so of kicked it off? At the same time as being a kid and being allowed in the kitchen, my mum organised for me and my brother to go to this week long sort of, I guess, performance school, I guess, during the holidays just to get us out of the house sort of thing. And I, so I like remember, summer work yeah, that thing. sort of thing. And I remember distinctly, we were doing. My brother was in a different little group because he's older, um, but our little group did a little snippet from Oliver, and I played. Um, I didn't know it at the time, but I played Mr. Bumble, so I had the big stick, and I was like, "For what you're about to receive," and all that nonsense. And I loved How's it. How's it go? I'm not going to sing it. Have you seen the movie? <laughs> I can't, I can't remember it. I shouldn't have do it. Yeah. But yeah, so we did that theatre school. I loved it. And then my mum said, so do you want to go to theatre school regularly? I was like, yes. I ended up being in this theatre school for about 10 years. Very theater loyal. Very loyal. Uh, it's Phoenix Theatre Arts. Okay. So it's sort of local to the Essex, Hertfordshire area. Um, and whilst doing that, I was uh, from primary school to secondary school. I did various shows, um, be it with, with the theatre school, with my own schools. Um, and I did drama at secondary school in sixth form. Um, so developing that confidence in myself and continuing to love what I was doing. And then there came a decision point when I got to year 13 was, do I continue on this path to follow my passion and go to like a drama school or study drama at university, etc. even though it's kind of an unstable thing? Or, because I was quite, I was quite studious at school, um, so I was kind of expected to go down that academic path, go to uni, get a nine to five. Guess where we ended up? <laughs> anyway, so the, yeah, that came that decision point. So I decided I'm gonna get myself a degree, but at the same time continue sort of doing all of this creative stuff while I'm at uni, and then maybe afterwards when I've got that piece of paper to fall back on, then later down the line I can go to drama school and follow the dream. Um, but the thing is, while I was at university, I got really unwell. Um, 
to the extent that I lost passion for everything. I didn't want to do anything. I was exhausted all the time. I was just completely emotionally numb. And that, and in my first year, before all of this happened, I'd auditioned for so many roles and got rejected by all of them. So that kind of put a damper on my spirit. And then I got unwell and I was like, I don't, I don't want to be on stage. I don't have the energy. I don't have the time. And I didn't feel like I was worthy enough to to get up there like I, like I had done in the years prior. Um, yeah, so that went on for about two years. Uh, even though I wasn't technically on stage, I was part of an a cappella group and we did perform now and then, but it's not the same thing really. Um, and I, I did love that, but it wasn't the same as being on stage doing an actual show or something like that. Um, yeah, so that illness, it kept going and getting worse for a couple of years. And then when I sought help and things started to get better and all of that stuff, that passion started to come back very, very slowly as because my brain had kind of shut out emotion because it didn't have the energy for emotion. That started coming back as I was starting to recover. And when I moved, this was in 2020, eventually by this point, I decided to move home after the pandemic. Um, well, after some of the things had uh, lifted, I decided to move home to get an actual job. Um, I'm going to flip back again. 2017, I did my, I, I was cast in my favourite musical ever, Hairspray, as Tracy Turnblad. It was one of the best experiences of my life. Flip forward to 2020, who's auditioning again? Hairspray. So I was like, this is my chance to get back to doing what I love. And I got cast, I, I played Velma von Tussle with the blonde wig and everything. And that feeling of getting back on stage and feeling that, that, that joy, that passion again that I had lost for so many years. It was an experience that you can't really even begin to describe. It was like the massive rush of joy that came over me. And I remembered what had driven me to go to all of these auditions and continue developing myself in the first place because I love it so much. And since then, I've done all sorts. <laughs> what I'd like to understand is, I know you as such a positive person, um, and I, I would never have expected you to say that there was a point from, I've only known you, I've known you for less than, for about a year now. Yeah. I'd have never expected to hear you say, at some point in your life, you felt unworthy. Where did, where did that come from? So, my illness manifested itself both physically and mentally, in the sense that anything I did was rooted back to the illness. And it was that feeling that I can't control my own mind. So what point is there in me of trying to do something that's worthwhile? I can't achieve anything. I can't defeat this illness. So if I can't do that, if I can't challenge my own thoughts, then am I even worthy to do anything? And in my mind at the time, I thought, no, there's no point. And plus I'd been to these auditions before and thought, um, I know rejection's a thing in theatre, that's just one of the things you get used to, but it was at the start of my illness that I got these rejections and I thought, can't do that anymore because I'm not going to get cast at anything. You're failing at everything in your life. I was really struggling with university at the time as well. So what's the point? You're not worthy, don't even try. What was that feeling? Huh? I didn't feel. I just didn't feel. I just kept on, you know? I was at uni, I had to do my uni work, I was at work, I had to 
make money to pay for said uni. But after those initial rejections, which didn't feel anymore, I didn't think about it. Even though I, I had all these pictures posted on the wall in my room of me doing the things I loved in Hairspray, in Wizard of Oz, in all sorts of bits that I'd done in the past, I'd look at them and feel nothing. Because I was in a state where both I had that sort of mental fuzz, thanks to the illness, um, where I was just like, oh yeah, I did that, no emotion. But the thought of going back and redoing those parts or taking on a new part, I thought, I'm not, I'm not well enough, either mentally or physically, to do this. So, how, so did what's you, the point? how did you come out of that? I got help. You got help? I got help. Okay. So the university mental health team and the, the doctors on the campus, they, they were amazing. And even when the... Where is it? Where is it? Is that? I went to University of Exeter. Nice. And even when the lockdown hit and I was still sort of in recovery, there were bits set up for me to keep monitoring my progress and all of that. And I, 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 I don't think I'll ever consider myself fully recovered because it's not one of these things that you can measure necessarily. But I'm in a position now where I've got all of my emotions back and I can appreciate the skills that I have and the value that I can bring both just in my typical life, on stage, in my actual job, as a baker, as a friend, as a sister, as everything. Where back then I thought of myself as just nothing. But here we are. And then you re-found theatre. Mm -hmm. And what do you think of yourself now? I beat... I beat my illness, which is something that not everybody can say, um, and I'm proud of myself. That's really nice to hear that. Yeah. Really proud of you. Like, like, I know we've only known each other for a short while, but that's an amazing story and that's very touching that you've, you've, had, you've had such a journey mm -hmm. from this place of feeling numb to feeling proud of yourself. Mm -hmm. and, and yeah, and I feel proud of you for, you for being able to share that. Thank you. Feel quite emotional listening. It to looks that like story. you're gonna cry. I do. I do, I do feel quite emotional. That is quite. <laughs> do you a, need a minute? Quite a journey. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no. Thank. Thank you for sharing. That's all right. Because it. Because you know, I think I feel emotional because I've had. I wouldn't say to the same extent that you've had it, but I've had same similar feelings. Mm -hmm. um, and I've had others close to me have say similar things about feeling numb. And not feeling anything and and that can fill you with worry when people you love say that and you showing how you've come from from that place and come out of that the other side is mm -hmm. fills me with hope you know and, and um and not that i didn't have hope in in said loved ones that have said that um but the worry is definitely there and um yeah great a, a wonderful example of mm -hmm. how you how you, you finding your passion um, doing the thing you love mm -hmm. can help turn it around. So um, you, you said to me that uh, you wanted to discuss disability in theatre. Yeah. Was this was this touching on that subject? So yeah, kind of as a result of all of these illness that I went to, I am te technically registered disabled. Um, so a lot of people would think, oh, you can't be disabled in theatre, There's, you need sort of certain accommodations, etc. But we're in a world now where accessibility is becoming a, a really key thing. Sorry, can I take, take that back? So I've done two shows with you. Yeah. Um, you have, haven't mentioned that to me. You never asked. Good, good point. 
I never asked. Okay. And disabilities aren't always visible. I agree. Um, so that that's something that's a learning thing for me. Mm -hmm. um, it's kind of a hard subject to ask if you're dealing with a big group of people mm -hmm. to ask individually of all of them. They just put it on a form and send it out to everybody. Is there is there any disabilities? Yeah. We should be aware. I think that I do that within the audition stages, um, but maybe I don't retouch on that. So at the point of um, casting or employment, yeah, would would do that as a matter of course. But I think once the people were within the production, that is definitely something that mm -hmm. should be revisited. And okay, so say, so this is something that I'm learning about you. Mm -hmm. There's this disability. How then would you recommend that it be revisited? What if we all go back to Narnia? Yeah. If how how would you if, how would you revisit that? Um, is it just checking that if there's any needs or accommodations yeah, that, or so any changes? So in my case, there aren't really any accommodations needed. But in a different circumstance where there is perhaps a physical accessibility issue, obviously that would need to be looked at. Um, if there are certain things that a person needs to get by, because if if you've got a hidden disability, you won't obviously be able to tell that I don't know they need some assistance getting from A to B. If they've got a hidden disability like I do, you're going to need to ask sort of how can we assist you to do the job or, or to take part in what you need to do because they will know the answer. You can't just make a general assumption of what a person needs just based on the title of their disability. Um, yeah, that's pretty much it. Okay, no, that's some really good advice and that's something that I'll consider deeper mm -hmm. moving forward um, because like you say, it's important to recognise that not every disability is visible. Mm -hmm. Plus, not everybody who considers themselves to have a certain condition or a certain disability um, has been clinically tested. So um, there's also that sort of need to see, well, to ask the individuals whether they consider themselves to have something. Not necessarily that they've just been like registered with a disability or they've got paperwork to say that they've got this or that. It's also about how can their needs be supported, even though they don't have that piece of paper to say, look, I've got this, I need this. So that's a piece of advice from me to you. Thank you. Uh, I'd definitely consider that. Because in my case, my illness isn't one of the ones that you'd think of for the illness. Okay. Um, so if I just said, oh, I've got da-da-da, you'd be like, what? So understanding what the person needs to get by or to thrive um, in a place like this is really essential. So how do you thrive then, with this disability? That's a good question. So I don't, I don't really revisit the teachings or the therapies or the whatever that I went through while I was in the depths of my illness because they didn't, they weren't what got me through. I mean, yeah, they helped sort of like change my, my mental patterns, my the ways of thinking, all of that nonsense. But that's not what pushed me through to pretty much recover. A lot of what made me recover was the support from family and friends and um, just accepting that this is something that I'm going through and that it's not going to last forever if I keep pursuing happiness. Because one of my key drivers in overcoming my illness was the pursuit of joy. 
because whilst I was really unwell, I didn't, I forgot what it felt like. I completely forgot what it felt like to feel anything, especially any form of happiness. Um, so that pursuit to feel something again, with the assistance of my family and friends encouraging me along the way and sort of helping to break the harmful habits that I'd got so ingrained within me, um, that's what got me through. And that's what I continue to go back to today. And that's why I got this. What's this? That's, so, I'll show you there. Um, I got a tattoo hey. first time that I felt joy again. Joy. And it says joy with a little treble clef. Wonderful. Um, and I just, I, I have it there to remind me that I have the ability to feel joy. And it's something to refer back to when I'm unsure. Um, and, and that's what drives me when I'm in these sticky situations is remember that these things that you're doing will bring you that joy that you craved so much all these years ago and that you continue to crave now. And I'm a very happy person now because I remember that. Because I mean, not everyone, journey. yeah, not everyone's happy all the time, obviously, but in general, that is what guides my life. It's wonderful. That, thank you. I, I, I am really grateful that you've shared that journey. Mm -hmm. It's really important that maybe if one other person listens to this, and here's where you've been. I think that's um, that can be really inspiring to others. I've got one other tattoo that's a load of nonsense, but Go. that's the important one. <laughs> Are you going to share that one? I that? mean, it's down there. Can I get it out? Yeah, get it out. It's there. It's All little, right. Little okay. nonsense. What the hell tattoo. is that? Have you seen Spirited Away? I have. Yes. It's a little soot sprite. Oh, lovely. Could you myself. want to share that with the camera? I, I can't know. get it out there. <laughs> maybe, Insert maybe, a picture here. Yeah, maybe we'll share that on your Instagram. Yeah. <laughs> so go seek Emma out on her Instagram if you'd like to see the, what is it get called again? A soot sprite. A soot sprite. <laughs> and that can remind you of joy as well, I guess. Well, I guess. It was the first, first sort of Studio Ghibli movie that I ever watched and now I've seen all of them. So nice. <laughs> decided, let's draw it. Let's get it drawn on my body. Hurt like nothing it hurt real bad that one didn't hurt that one hurt any more tattoos coming my mum would kill me <laughs> <laughs> so tell me about your about your family then are you fat have you got a fairly supportive family oh, around yeah. things that you do because because like you say you you're doing stuff you're doing a lot of creative stuff you're very mm -hmm. very busy you're trying to you, you cram in a lot in you outside of your normal nine to five mm -hmm. how is the support network uh, around that because sure, surely you can't manage that all all of them yeah so uh we've got a very small family um in the household it's just my mum dad and my brother and me and the cat um so back in the day when i was little well not necessarily little but during that time that i was going to phoenix it was my uh, and i was doing shows at school and whatever that had rehearsals throughout the week and whatever it was my mum that would drive me to all of those rehearsals and she pushed me to go to auditions because she knew that if i got in i'd love it um so she was a massive driver in that and she's quite creative herself you know she likes she, she works in a primary school but she's always doing their artwork for their displays and you'll hear her singing all the wrong lyrics around the house which is kind of annoying but i'm like i'm still sort of that's where I get it from, I guess. <laughs> um, so yeah, she's she's the main sort of been the main driver throughout my journey. Plus, she was my main, well, one of my main supports when I was recovering. Um, but there's also my brother. He's a very very talented musician, um, but not in the sense that he'd ever go on stage. He's just you hear him play like the electric guitar in his room, and you're like, damn man, that's crazy. Um, 
yeah, my dad's not so much the creative, but he's still very supportive um, of anything that I've got going on. And now I've got myself a car, so I can take myself wherever I've got to go for auditions or rehearsals or whatever. Um, yeah, throughout my life, they've encouraged and they've supported anything that I've wanted to do, be it in the theatre, be it with my business, be it with other nonsense that I've done throughout my life. Um, yeah. Uh, I wouldn't be in the position I am now if they hadn't had that attitude that even though I was an academic, I could also be a creative. Um, I'm very grateful for that. And they continue to support me to this day, obviously to a lesser extent, because I'm like, I'm going to go audition. And they say, you haven't got the time. And I say, I don't care. <laughs> Tell me more about that, that gratitude. Well, obviously there's that notion that parents are meant to support their child no matter what they do no matter what happens. Now I've done a lot of stupid nonsense in my life. I lived, obviously I lived at university for four years and even though I was so far away, it's a four hour drive, um, they'd still, when I was going through hardships, they'd, they'd try to do as much as they could. Obviously they couldn't get there, but they'd try to do as much as they could, calling up people and whatever, um, checking in on me. They even Facebook messaged my housemates at one point to go check in on me because they didn't have a direct line of contact at the time. Um, and anything I've done in my life, they've always been there. Be it just in my family circle, be it also my friends, which I've had my best friend, I met her in a pram. Um, and she's, she's quite creative too. She's now a nurse, but she used to do a lot of stuff on stage. Um, and she's always so supportive of anything I do. And without all of their input into my life i wouldn't be the person i am today and i know it's not a funny thing to say but i quite like the person i am today compared to that's who not, i used to be important. compared to perhaps the person i was in school or perhaps the person i was in university thanks to their support and thanks to my self-development i've grown into a person that if i were myself at three years old, I'd look up to and be happy that I've grown into who I am now. Um, and it's, it's, it's thanks to them. It's thanks to, to a minor part myself, because I had that drive to get to where I want to be. But it's a lot to do with their attitude. Um, be, the, yeah. be the hero to yourself that you're eight, as that's an eight-year-old. That's right. Isn't it? That's, mm -hmm. the, that's the saying. And then you found you found a good place in your life mm -hmm. by being that that yeah. hero to yourself. For sure, with three year old, do you be proud of you now? Me? Yeah. We're finding. We're, we're no. Yeah, we're 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 getting there. Yeah. We're getting there. We're 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 on the journey. You know, I'm nearly I'm nearly forty. Um, and and yeah, it's, there's definitely been a journey to get to forty. Things haven't gone gone necessarily the way that I would have expected mm -hmm. them to go. Um, but I think I'm working on that. Yeah. yeah, I think I'm working on that. Give it a couple more minutes, and then that. I think. I think. Like I think the it. confusing thing for me though is, is if actually if I go like okay, so at eight years old, what what did I want to be at eight years old? I wanted to be an astronaut. <laughs> <laughs> but not doing that at all, and then, and I followed this kind of career path of uh, I thought I was going to go into the the RAF or, mm -hmm. or the army or or some something like that. Yeah. Um, when I look back and thinking about this now, when I look back at that young age, before I'd found theatre, 
and film and being creative. Everything I was doing, I was actually playing. And so when I was thinking about being in the RAF or being an astronaut, I was actually play acting those things. Yeah. And I didn't kind of, I didn't realize it. And that's why I wanted to do it. And actually, yeah, some reflection, mm -hmm. the eight year old me would be very happy that I'm still playing. Good. <laughs> I'm still being creative. I'm still playing with my toys. We even brought one of my toys along, yeah. along today. Even though you were on the creative team for Narnia, you <laughs> got to play with the puppets a I couple did. times on stage. Yeah. And yeah, so even when I'm, yeah, every, everything I'm doing is play. Yeah. Even this right now is some kind of weird form of play, isn't it? That we're, that we're setting up the lights, sitting on a stage with some seats and cameras. Yeah. And this is all just playing, isn't mm -hmm. it? Um, so no, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go back to that. Ask me that question again. Would child you be proud of who you are today? Yes. Good. Yes, they would. They would be very happy. Thank you. So right now, cakes. Mm -hmm. Is cakes the main thing that's going on for you right now? No. What's the main thing? I need thing? to get a banner made, really. If you know anyone who knows how to make a banner, let me know. <laughs> oh, we do. You should listen to episode one of the podcast. All right. I'm on it. I'm on yeah, it. Yeah, go back to episode one. I know someone uh, that can definitely help you with that. Chill. Uh, Jim Thompson, Mr. Creator. Um, he, yeah, episode one, you'll find his contact. Okay. <laughs> okay. Might give you a discount, friend, friend of a friend. Friends discount, yeah, I'm sure he will. I'm sure he's, right. he's always happy to do it. It's Jim. What was your question? My question, yeah, so what's now? So we talked, so cakes. Yes. Banner, is the banner, banner. In, is the banner. It's a make or break thing. It's a? It's a make or break thing. I need that banner. Go on. Well, no, just because like, if I'm going to go out to markets or whatever i haven't got any set up yet you're gonna know who i am unless i've got a big old banner saying it's me it's me <laughs> emma with the emma with the cakes yeah. the the company name again? living the dream cakes living the dream cakes and so this banner is this going to go around to so Storm? i need to also get a table for the banner to attach to but it'll go around with me to all of the fates and the markets and the whatever i'm able to get into saying buy my stuff it's awesome made with a lot of love so you're doing a lot of the, the selling at the moment then? You're not selling at the moment through mm -hmm. stores, are you? Where are you so selling So right now it's a lot of the behind the scenes stuff. You know, I need to source a table that's lightweight, but sturdy, but I'm able to fit it in the car, but da da da. And I need to source props for my setups to make it look pretty. I need to source a, like a canopy thing in case it rains and we're outside. There's a lot of stuff that needs sorted out, but I'm not in a rush. Okay. Like this is a, I, I, I've got this sort of philosophy, right? That you have three types of goals. You have your short-term goal, which you can accomplish within, let's say a month. Um, and it's a measurable goal. So you know when you've finished it and then you can go on to creating more short-term goals, etc. Then you've got a long-term goal that will fit into two years, three years, something like that. Um, and then your final goal is a goal that you won't be able to achieve in your lifetime. So you think back to the individuals who helped build the pyramids, that was a goal that they dedicated their life to, but it wasn't finished within their lifetime. So my goal, well, I've got various goals, but my goal that I won't achieve in my lifetime is to spread joy. And this making of this banner, this market stuff is one of my short-term goals. Multiple short-term goals lead up to my long-term goal, 
of expanding the business to, I can't remember what my metrics were, but I've got them written down. And those all feed into the goal that will never be complete within my lifetime. Plus it's not necessarily measurable because it's spreading joy to as many people as possible. I guess I could count as many people that smile at me or whatever, but that's a bit of nonsense. But it relates back to the thing that drives me is having joy in myself. I want for other people to be able to experience that too. Um, and that's another reason why I've got myself, why, why I love theatre so much is that people come to a show and a lot of the shows I do are silly or fun or musicals or stuff like that things that make people laugh things that make people happy and that feeds into my lifetime goal um and it feeds into my own wanting to be happy at the same time sort of thing i don't even remember what the first question was but you got the idea in my head no no that's that's really good and that you're finding the joy for yourself mm -hmm. within others yeah pretty much you? That's really uh, a really powerful thing, and that resonates very similar with with my goals and aspirations as well. Um, I, I haven't thought about it in the way of joy, um, but that, that that does connect. That you know, like for me, long long term, um, I'm looking to make an impact, mm -hmm. looking to to leave a legacy, um, and looking to in some way affect people's lives and. For me, that's around creativity mm -hmm. and spreading the importance of having creativity within your life. Yeah. Um, but I think you've found a more, more, an even more important thing to leave. The joy. Well, it's dependent on the person. Really. True. But the feeling of joy is, is important mm -hmm. um, and special and... Something you can't substitute. No. So that's a, yeah, that's a really good outlook on a philosophy for life. Mm -hmm. I should try and... Uh, I should watch this back myself and, and review that and, and, and look at my structure and how I'm, how I'm trying to reach my, my peak and, and, and break that down in the way that you have, that you have this, this lifetime It goal always gives you something to strive for, whether it's your short-term goal or thinking about your long-term goal. It means that once you achieve that, you always have a purpose. To move forward. To keep going, yeah. Even when there are setbacks, perhaps you don't achieve your short-term goal within your set date range whatever because we because things do go wrong don't they yeah and um when you have these goals and you're right okay so i'm going to do i know i'm, I'm going to put on a show mm -hmm. and you might put on a show and I, i've done a production before um i'd say it's about gosh it was about 10 years ago now and i came up with this really good idea it was a really good idea right. <laughs> for making money for putting on a show <laughs> easily quickly cheaply right and i was like right okay so this is going to be like this just is so obvious how cheap this is to put it on mm -hmm. and to get people to sit on in the audience and pay money and this is a career now mm -hmm. and i saw this this thing that i could do and it was called the superhero and princess show Right. Okay, so it's a, a mixture of something that was going really well and started to take off about 10 years ago, which was princess birthday parties mm -hmm. and superhero birthday parties. But take those superhero and princesses and put them in a show. In a show. And because um, people are paying a lot of money for these princess and superhero parties mm -hmm. and uh, next to no one came. 
I did it up. I did put money into it, and it was a complete and utter failure. the The show was a. An Why do you think it went that way? I think I've touched on it already. That it was I was concentrating on the money. I was concentrating on building something that could simply generate me money, mm-hmm. and that wasn't a good goal to have. Mm-hmm. Um, the audience didn't fall for it. The audience yeah. don't fall for it. When they, when you can see a creative project and you can see that that is the only intended outcome, people can see straight through that. Yeah. And so that was a lesson 10 years ago. But at the time, I saw it as a complete, oh my God, like, I've, I've the never, worst thing ever. this is the worst, the worst thing ever. How can I ever move forward from this? Yeah. Um, How did you get over that? My life in theatre is done. And I think for a little while I didn't get over it. Mm -hmm. And I didn't move on from it. Because I couldn't couldn't review it in the moment. Yeah. I couldn't sit back in that moment and go, this is where it went wrong. Mm -hmm. That that I was doing a project to just simply make money and a quick bit of cash. And I had this long-term vision with it that I would take over the world with yeah. this show. But once I sat back and did nothing for a little while and let my mind wander and I came to realise why it went wrong, I went back to what I was doing before that was working, mm-hmm. which was putting on theatre productions for the love yeah. of putting on theatre productions, for the creativity. And then the next show that I did was an absolute sellout audience and was made me more money than I'd ever made before. Yeah. And yeah, it was a that that was important to have that failure. But did you have any actual passion in the the superhero princess show or was it just about a means to an end to make some money? Like did you actually I, care about the show at all? No. No, I cared about well, I I put some equations together that I enjoy doing theatre, I can do theatre, mm-hmm. I can, I know the marketing for theatre um, and I can see other people doing this other thing and maybe I could mix these two together and make money Yeah. <laughs> and there, there wasn't any passion behind it other than that Right. and so it deserved to fail, really. <laughs> it deserved to not be. Was it filmed? I'd really like to see it. Though. Parts of it were filmed. I'm intrigued. <laughs> um, and I had I had professional actors in it, and they, you know, anything I'm saying, I'm not blaming it on on them. The failures, the failures yeah. were on on me. Mm-hmm. Um, they did the job that I asked them to do. They, one of the performers in particular, was a really, she was a really wonderful singer. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it was the, the audience could see through it. They could see through it before they even came. Yeah. You know, they could see through it with the, the marketing mm-hmm. and they could see it wasn't. I think the thing with these with these creative endeavours, people want to be, first of all, they, they seek to be entertained. Mm-hmm. Um, they also seek value for money. Yeah. And I think those two things, from their perspective, weren't being offered there. and. And the genuine reason for seeking the creativity wasn't there as well. Yeah. And I and going back to that time as well, ten years ago, I I didn't realise that um, that it was always working for me before through passion, through love, and 
through wanting, wanting to give something to others, wanting to create communities, wanting to, do you know what? Give joy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Give you joy. You may not have even known it back then, but you followed my same philosophy. Yeah. Yeah. True. I, I didn't, didn't even realise that. Yeah. I think sometimes within, we find ourselves stumbling down a path and we don't realise the lessons we're learning until it all goes wrong. Yeah. And so yeah, it had to go wrong. It had to go wrong for me that that mm -hmm. show. Um, so it's it's one of those things where you think back and th you think back on things in your life and think, I wish that never happened. No, I wish yeah. But you're but then you get to happened. a point yeah. that so so yeah. So for a long time, I was going, oh my god, I wish that never happened. Please, no one bring that show up. Mm -hmm. You know, I'd be around certain people and so, someone would go. Remember that show you did, Martin? <laughs> yes, and we'd have the conversation. Or, you know, I, I could see a lot of people at that time that I admired would would be like, oh, Martin doesn't know what to do. You know, uh, there was a lot of judgment, a lot of criticism, and it wasn't always vocal. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't yeah, necessarily yeah. Be, people being to me, oh, you did a really bad thing. Mm -hmm. I could see it in their faces. Yeah. And it's sometimes worse when you when you just see it like that. Yeah, and perhaps I imagine that you know people maybe talking behind my back mm -hmm. or whatever. Um, and yeah, and that that was a that, at the time that was hard to deal with, being like, oh, the, the people that I admire within this industry are looking at me going, he's a bit of an idiot. <laughs> and you know what? I was being a bit. bit sometimes of an idiot. you gotta look like an idiot. Yeah, <laughs> and, and so for a, for a, for a while I regretted it. Yeah. But now, ten years later that lesson was so valuable. Mm -hmm. So that's the, the we, we have to have these failures, I think. I think you should put that show back on. Oh, well, you want to be in it? No, 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 not necessarily. <laughs> but introduce the passion that you now realise is so vocal into it and see how well it does. See how well it does, yeah. I don't think it, I don't think it could because the, the, the equation... I mean, rewrite it. I kind of think, so <laughs> have you heard that Disney are doing this, um, Avenger, this Avengers show musical? They did like a joke in one of their TV series of um, what what if this was all a musical? Right. Um, and now at the Disney parks, they do it as a musical. Right. And so, and that's essentially what my show show was. Mm -hmm. But they clearly know that it's a joke. Yeah. I didn't know my show was a joke. <laughs> um, so potentially something like that could be revisited and redone. And and that is a beautiful thing with creativity. That it's it. You can you can make a mistake and it can all go wrong, and perhaps yeah, perhaps it could go in a different direction and yeah. be made into something nice, and and that's the other thing I really love about doing this, is that not in the ten years have I ever thought about revisiting it mm -hmm. until this conversation just now, <laughs> and then it's like oh maybe there is something yeah. there that could work if it was reframed mm -hmm. through a conversation. With another creative person, I'm not going to. <laughs> I'm not going to revisit it. But it's just very interesting how. Well, think back on some other things that you've done that not, ne not haven't necessarily gone the way that you want to, and see if you can revisit them. Because mm. it means less work for you as well. Not necessarily, but it means that you've got a foundation already there, and you don't have to come up with a foundation and understanding. Yeah. And and you know what? And I've and I have done that as well. Yeah. Um, one of my very first productions I was in, in a, I was in a youth theatre group where I learned, I learned so much from that theatre group, the Playhouse Young People's Theatre. That's where all of my, my foundations come from for everything I do in life. And 
we did a production that at the time I loved and I was in it and was one of the, the leads in it and I loved the story and the way that it worked. But yeah, about, about five or six years after that, I was like, I'd like to revisit that, but direct it, not be in it. Because I can see that story going in another direction and then yeah. it can be framed in a different way. I can take what I've learned from being in it and how that cast did it and produced it. Mm -hmm. But I can do it with this vision, yeah. with a different group of people in a different setting. And um, that show was really special to me, actually. That show was one of the, the, the first things that I directed by my, completely by myself and was completely my vision. But like you say, I took that grounding and that foundation of experience and made it something bigger. Yeah. So have you got any tips for anyone out there that has a normal, normal nine to five like you have, but wants to have this creative side, whether that's theatre, getting involved with independent films, or even making cakes? Yeah. How would someone go from that busy life of the things they have to do to the things they want to do? Um. If you have a dream that you want to be in a place that you aren't, it's not just going to happen if you don't, if you just sit around doing nothing. You need to go out there and find the opportunities to either continue learning to get towards this skill or to just break into it. If you want to get into theatre, go to an audition, go to a class, go to a workshop. Because it's not just going to come to you if you just keep sitting around in front of the TV after your nine to five saying, oh, I'm exhausted, oh, I don't want to do anything. Your life's never going to change. It's the same thing with um, my bakery. I was making, I was, I was making biscuits and cakes or whatever before I was in um, lockdown because so, I had all the free time in the world. But now that I've got my nine to five, you've got to make time. These things take a lot of time. Um, so it's an it's a, it's a, it's a issue of prioritisation. What do you want in your life? I know that you need that nine to five to you know, make the money, to in some cases be able to pursue these passions. Um, but if you love something and you want something that much, then you've got to just do it. You've got to take steps, make, make concrete plans, well not necessarily concrete plans, but make plans that you will take small steps to achieve what you want to achieve. So you've if got, you're not, are you saying like you've got to have an initial commitment? Yeah. You've if got you want to have do an something. initial thing, an initial start point. Yeah. And then you've got to make action on that yeah. start. Point. So say your ambition, if you are in a place like me, you've got a corporate job, but you say, I want to be in a show. You've never been on stage before, or you haven't been on stage in an awful long time, and you're perhaps not confident in yourself. Find a, a, a group who offers a class or, or something of that nature that will help you build that confidence. So it's that initial research or that initial just going to the class that's going to set you on that journey to doing that thing that you've wanted to do perhaps for ages, but you've never got off your chair to do. Um, yeah. So my takeaway message, just do it. Just do it. <laughs> just do it. Just do it. Don't There's nothing it. holding you back. I know some classes you've got to pay for if you don't got the money. There's free classes. There's YouTube videos that can help you learn to fake cry or develop these techniques that will help you get closer to that ultimate goal of being on stage or 
making a wedding cake or whatever it is that you want to do. So just do it. Just do it. Just do it. Yeah. Yeah. And start and and yeah. So we're we're on the third episode of of the podcast and. I've probably been thinking about doing this for a few years. Let's just yeah. say a few years I've been thinking about and working out and and weighing things up and I kept going backwards and forwards. But this started when I just did it. Yeah. When I just got the camera out, which I already had the camera. This is just being filmed on my phone. Everyone's got yeah. a phone with a camera in. Um, you know, and then the sound linked up to the laptop. Most people have got a laptop. Mm -hmm. And if you haven't got a laptop, you've definitely got a phone. Yeah. Haven't you? Because if, if anyone does watch this, they're probably watching it on their phone. And the only way that this started, and with all the other things that are going on in my life right now, was going, I'm just doing it today. I'm just, I'm just asking my best mate to come and sit down, sit on the sofa with me, and have a conversation, and we're just going to do it. Yeah. And from that, the path starts. Mm -hmm. doesn't it it's gonna lead on to what's your ambition with this what's the end goal is it is it intended to lead on to something bigger or is this just something that you really wanted to do so i think this touches on what you already spoke about that you've got this goal in life that goes that is unobtainable mm -hmm. that goes past what you can achieve in your lifetime yeah um and i think this is potentially um, part of that journey mm -hmm. that um, for me it's very important that I connect and affect as as many lives in a positive way as possible um, and try and leave some legacy of the f finding fulfillment within creativity mm -hmm. and that might sound complex um, but for me it's not for me having now found I think it took me till I was about 40 to about last year and this year to figure out what it is my long-term mm -hmm. goal is and now that I've found it this platform is obviously part of that it's part of it. that's good and what's your are there any other steps that will take you on that journey or is this just sort of your initial action so this is the initial action of just do it. Mm -hmm. um, lots of other steps are coming into that, whereas I'm putting together the experience that I've had throughout my, throughout my life mm -hmm. professionally uh, and at, in an amateur way as well, of putting together the creative things that I've done so far and with the creative connections that I've got as well, putting together a way of sharing that knowledge and information for others mm -hmm. within courses and workshops and mentorship as well um, and we live in a we live in an age that we I don't think many of us realize how blessed we are to have the internet mm -hmm. to have this form of connection where we can reach out to the entire world or the entire world can come to you um, and it can come to you, you know, in a way that sometimes you don't expect mm -hmm. as well. But you can put a simple message out into the world and that can connect with someone across the Atlantic Ocean. For instance, my next podcast episode, I'm speaking to someone in North Carolina. No way. An author who found me through a hashtag. That's so cool. That she searched. And what I was doing connected with her 
and she's like, can we have a chat? Yeah. Can I talk about what I'm what I'm doing, mm-hmm. and what you're doing? And I think we, I think I think our creative passions connect and align. Can we sit down for half an hour? Yeah. Over Zoom. And I was like, of course, of course we can. Oh, you didn't invite you didn't invite you didn't invite your guest here. <laughs> what to this one? Yeah. Well, maybe we'll do that. No, no, no we'll I mean over it. to the country. Oh, over invite to here. Oh, well, of course you could. Anyone can come over here and visit. <laughs> or I'm hoping to travel as well. Yeah. But but maybe that's something that we'll we'll build on. This is a start. Yeah. This is a starting point, and we're blessed that we live in this age where we have Zoom. Yeah. Teams and uh, Google Meet and whatever, mm-hmm. and we have we have a phone in our pocket that we can record these conversations, and one other person may listen to it and get something from it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we're living in a. There's a lot of bad things to the communicate this open, but I would like to find the good within that communication. I would like to find the, I think there's a positive side to this open communication. Mm -hmm. And And whatever messages we are, or or any of your guests are getting across now, because they're recorded, because they're on the internet, they're never going to expire. That's true. They're always going to be there. So someone down the line, 20 years time maybe, needs some, some help on something they search that hashtag and this is still here mm-hmm. and that's beautiful that's amazing that someone in the past could their words can resonate, resonate with you now that's it's crazy it is isn't it <laughs> and and like i say even if it's just for for one person mm-hmm. that's that's all all we're looking to do just make that that small connection or even if this is just between me and you yeah i've had an amazing conversation no no, no you. you know my mom's gonna be watching this <laughs> I've had an amazing conversation with you today. I've learned things about you that, you know, I've, I consider you to be a really important and true friend. And there's a side of you that I didn't know. Mm-hmm. And um, I feel it's really important that I do know that side of you. And um, yeah, I thought that was a really important story to share. So, and like I said, when you when you told it, I'm, I'm grateful that you did share you it. You look like you're gonna cry. No, I do, it does do make it me emotional. <laughs> Like I said, I'm an emotional, I'm an emotional guy. <laughs> I'm in touch with my emotions, and I'm not, I'm not afraid of that. I think that's Aww. important. That's important for yeah. me to be in touch with my emotions. Um, I feel like that's something that's actually carried me through in life. Mm-hmm. Um, being in touch with my emotions has helped me with my creative endeavors. Yeah. Um, it's also helped me with my connections with friends and family as well. Uh, to show show people my true authentic self. Yeah, a lot of men just don't cry. No, that's the thing. But uh, and it, if you've ever had a good cry, it feels amazing. It does, and, and it gets everything out, and you feel great afterwards, and you can move on with your day. And holding it in doesn't achieve anything. No, I I think maybe we're taught some wrong lessons as children mm-hmm. by. You know, from previous generations, that you know, when we were young, you said, oh, "Don't, don't cry, pick yourself up." Mm-hmm. Um, and and I remember something when I was young. Someone that I used to look up to told me I was an embarrassment for crying once, and and I held on to that for a long time. And every time I felt emotional, I tried to hold it in because you know I didn't want to be an embarrassment. Yeah. Um, but since I've gone, no, that advice wasn't right. You know, and others have said to me, "No, be be yourself. If you feel sad, cry. Mm-hmm. If you feel happy, cry. Yeah. 
Um, I feel like it's enriched my life, mm -hmm. not shying away from my emotions. And I found out who my trend, true friends and family are through being myself as well. Sure. There is, uh, there's nothing scary in vulnerability once you, once you embrace it. Yeah. There is beforehand, yeah. for sure. There is because, you know, like I say, you perhaps had wisdom and judgment thrown on you that wasn't yeah. quite right. That's why I'm perhaps able to tell my story so openly now. I've done, I've told my story a few times now to, I'm the, the, at work, I'm the lead of the Disability Health and Additional Needs work stream. So we work with the company to increase inclusivity, accessibility, etc., and educate the community. So I've told my story in a webinar there because increasing awareness and education and understanding of different things that could be happening in the workplace outside. Um, and I've, I've given it, I've, I've spoken about it in various places and that's something that's obviously incredibly personal and take it back a couple of years, I wouldn't have been able to get through any of that without breaking down, sobbing about how much of my life I lost to the illness. But accepting that telling my story does flick something, flick a switch inside of me that brings out these sort of not necessarily negative, but strong emotions and understanding that it's fine to feel that. It means that I can connect better when I'm telling people about my story. It means that I can be more authentic and I'm not trying to hide this pain that I was in for so long. And I think that's really important, whether you're talking about something that's personal, whether you're telling something like how you had a really great sandwich on the weekend and being really happy about it and not being like, oh, it was a sandwich. That being able to express your emotions without fear of judgment, without fear of breaking down and everyone being like, oh, are you okay, whatever. That's so important in creating those personal connections and those true connections with people that are worth it. You know, your family, your friends, acquaintances that you just happen to, you know, value. Connections so. are important to us as human beings, aren't yeah. isn't it? Isn't it? Isn't it? <laughs> uh, yeah, you go, yeah. I'll start that sentence again. Go for it. Connections are important to us as human beings. He's such an actor. <laughs> Take two. Connections are important to us as human beings. Need a blooper reel. <laughs> no, this is going to be uncut. This is oh, just really? whatever happens is in there. Oh my god. <laughs> Connections. Connections. Yeah. Are very important to us as human beings. <laughs> right. I agree. <laughs> we could become a professional now, couldn't we, with the rest of it? Not no, chance. but the reason for doing this uncut as well is to find the genuine, yeah. the genuine, looking for the word now. I don't know the word you're looking for, I can't help. The genuine us. connection with each other. Yes. And the genuine connection with the potential audience mm -hmm. will be found. Hi, mum. <laughs> yeah, and uh, that's probably... It'll be more same. than mum, I'm sure. Yeah, probably my mum as well, <laughs> my dad. And, like, yeah, if, if it's just those three, then... More than happy. You know. Um, and I and I'm sure they will be happy as well to see to see you and me having a connection yeah. and and reaching back to them and um, and that was quite special early on about how you were saying how much you appreciated your your mum mm -hmm. giving you those early that early guidance in your life and yeah. the care that you'd received from your parents mm -hmm. and um, so yeah through being an uncut podcast yeah. we will find those moments we will find those moments of nonsense as well moments of nonsense those moments of me not being able to talk 
you know, after 20 years of trying to be an actor, you'd think I'd have learned how to speak. I've been the whole way through this, trying to be professional here. It's not happening. I think, but professional. Like, there's a thing with professionalism as well that um, that I think a lot of people get wrong, that they, they feel, and I felt this for a long time, that professionalism meant being serious. And I think it's more of a case of professionalism. Yes. Oh, God, I should just stay away from long words, shouldn't I? <laughs> professionalism yeah. is more about caring about the thing that you're doing yeah. and also caring about the thing that others are doing within the thing you're creating mm -hmm. rather than just being I'm being serious now and I know what I'm doing yeah yeah um and also yeah being genuine mm -hmm. being genuine that you know that I, I'm gonna make a note on my next podcast stay away from long words <laughs> yeah. stay <laughs> check my pronunciation do a vocal warm-up. I should have done a vocal warm-up. Yeah. What have I learned over all of these years? Vocal warm-ups. You should have told me that. I, didn't, I don't need a vocal warm-up. I'm, oh. I'm elite. Oh, okay. I'm past that. Oh, I'm Sorry. <laughs> well, you know I'm not. Get on my level. <laughs> all right, okay. Well, next time I shall do a vocal warm-up. Have, um, have you got any tips for me for moving forward with this? Um, now you know what it is that I'm trying to achieve. Yeah. So you say you've got a few people lined up, yeah. Understand what makes them them. And then the conversation, because I feel like that's what we've done here, and then the conversation will flow out of that. And you'll find value in just little things that people say. Something that they may just consider to be a throwaway comment. Understand what makes them them. Guide the conversation, not necessarily all the conversation, but to places that is away from the typical away from the nice stuff, away from you know just stuff that people can say and it's it's generic like i love being in theater and this is why what makes someone individual and what has made their journey special and what do they value i think guiding around those topics in the the questions that you ask that like you've done today it can create some really powerful moments and it can help to teach lessons to whoever's listening to this based on the different topics that people say that they perhaps wouldn't hear in a situation like this from another podcast or a video or whatever. So yeah, just find out what makes someone someone and explore it. Because everyone's different, aren't they? And I think we found that with you today, haven't we? I think, uh, like I say, I've sat here and found out a lot about you today. You never asked. Never but asked. now you've asked. Yeah. It's all good. We should ask more, shouldn't we? We should ask more of others. Mm -hmm. We should talk more. Yeah. I mean, in general, I'm more of a listener than a speaker. I have been for my entire life because I get tongue-tied and I just prefer listening to other people. And some of the knowledge and some of the value that you can get from just listening sometimes is great. And now that I've, I'm a bit more confident in myself, I can continue like being someone, like asking more questions to get more value and to get them to continue saying about what they're saying. And hearing the expansion that someone makes on their point as a result of being genuinely interested, that's it, it can create some really valuable outcomes, both just to yourself and to who anyone's listening and maybe to themselves as well. How does that feel to have been heard today? That's good does and I, I i've told my story before as i've said 
previously, but this, it feels different. Because when I've said it before, it's just been to a room at large. I don't know who the people are. But going into detail on my story and my troubles and my ambitions and the things that drive me forward to someone that I genuinely care about, it, it's, it's a lot more powerful than the things that I've done before. And I, I'm really grateful for this opportunity. So before we wrap this up, don't cry again. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not gonna cry. I just wanted to find out about, um, I feel like we're gonna come back to this. I feel like we might be revisiting this. Right. Um, but I just wanted to find out what's, what's ahead for you? What's next? Uh, I feel like right now, I am making the preparations to take some big steps, both in my various jobs and interests and hobbies, but both also personally um because i've been doing a lot of self-development work in the last say year and i feel like i'm ready to take a step to something bigger i don't know what yet but something's going to come along and i'm going to be prepared to take it and obviously there's all the things that i'm planning on doing with my bakery and with the theater and with this film and with all of that stuff so I'm taking a step with that, but also I'm going to be stepping, I, I can feel that I'll be stepping into the unknown with something personally, and I don't know what that is, but I'm ready for it. Whenever it comes, whatever it is, I feel ready, you know? You do. How about you? Yeah, I feel ready too. You're ready? <laughs> I'm ready. You ready? I'm ready. I'm ready. Let's go. Brilliant. Thank you so much. I really appreciate you sitting down with me today okay. and sharing. And, um... I've really enjoyed it. Wedding. Yeah. Thank you, Emma. Thank you. Cut. Cut. <laughs> now we've got to do one, two, three. Cut. Yeah. One, two, three. Yeah. Cut. That good fun, that. Well, that was Emma Kate. Thank you, Emma, for joining me on today's podcast. I am truly grateful for you sharing those stories with us, for being open, for being vulnerable. And I truly believe that even if just one person listens to this, they will find some inspiration. And I definitely found hope within your story. If there is anyone listening, I look forward to seeing you again in episode four, where we speak to an author from North Carolina. The next episode will be done via Zoom.